You're listening to the Midwest Marketing Orange Hour Podcast with your host, Brett Matthijs. All right, so before we start and before we do introductions for the purposes of this conversation, should I call it a truck or a semi or a semi-truck or what is the proper terminology? <laughs> it can be any or all of that. It doesn't matter. There's no like pretentious person that's like if you don't call it a semi you're not in the club yeah so technically a semi is like the ones that you see going down the road that have a big trailer behind them a semi pulls a a trailer that separates from the vehicle okay so it's a um that's a semi truck Uh, a garbage truck that has this thing already built onto it that you can't take off i mean that's just a that's just a truck that's just a truck okay yeah so there is like a little bit of, of variation between the two. A little but, bit, but 99. But no one's going to hang you over no. if you use it wrong. Okay, no. sounds good. Uh, so I'll just interchange to, to keep it interesting. Okay. Um, I'll have you introduce yourself for everyone who doesn't already know who you are who's listening. Sure. Uh, I'm John Gellum. I'm uh, uh, an owner, general manager, and VP of parts for um, our group of uh, nine stores. Um and uh, particularly here in uh, Rapid City. For sure. So for everyone that doesn't know, you were Eddie's. Now you're Floyd's Truck Center. Who's Eddie? Who's Floyd? Why the name change? And uh, what can, like what was the history behind changing the name? Yeah, so I'll give, uh, I'm going to have to step back one more step and to give you a little bit broader okay, yeah, perspective totally. on that. Um, so our group is really four um independent groups that have come together over the past uh, six to seven years. Uh, Floyd was my great-grandfather, and uh, he started a a repair shop in Scottsbluff, Nebraska in 1948, um, eventually getting a franchise for uh, Freightliner trucks. Uh, Okay, for sure. So he was just doing repairs on trucks. Right. Yep. He was a mechanic and and, uh, owned his own shop and, and... repaired semi trucks. So. Okay, for sure. Um, so Floyd, uh, you know, obviously it has, uh, having started that in 1948 has passed on. My grandfather did it. My father did it. And now my brother and I are involved in the business. So you're fourth generation going on here. Man, yeah, we're very we're cool. Four, fourth generation. Um, so, uh, Eddie, uh, was a gentleman that lived up here in the Black Hills. He actually uh, has an interesting past. Uh, Eddie Ripkema is his full name. Okay, for sure. Um, he uh, he was mayor of Deadwood in the 70s. And uh, I, I haven't researched this to know if it's true, but I was told that he was mayor when uh, prostitution was ended in uh, Deadwood in the 70s. Hey, we'll and go so with it. He, he, was, he was both loved and, and hated at the same time, <laughs> uh, depending on which side of that debate you were on. Um, he also had some car dealerships in the area that uh, uh, he ran and sold. And then in 1974, he started an RV dealership uh, on East Omaha Street, um, called it Eddie's, uh, Eddie's RV. And then uh, that transitioned into uh, a truck dealership. And uh, he got the Freightliner franchise in the uh, late 70s. Um, so the other two parts of that group that have come together over this period of time uh, was a group of stores in uh, Wyoming, Gillette, Casper, and Rock Springs, named Jacks. Okay. Yeah. Um, so they kind of followed that theme of old school theme of having a repair shop with a first name and 
and uh, uh, kind of a family background. Um, Jack was an equipment uh, mechanic. He repaired uh, big Caterpillar equipment and, and stuff like that and uh, eventually worked himself into a Freightliner franchise there as well. Um, and uh, he retired, passed it on to his sons, and uh, his sons were looking to join a little bit bigger group, and, and they joined us in uh, 2016. Um, and then there's the fourth piece of that is a, a store in Montana that uh, uh, was formerly called Rocky Mountain Truck Center, and uh, owners started that, were ready to retire, and, and uh, we were friends with them, shared the same kind of values, and and things like that and uh, bought that from them last last year so we're kind of bringing these four pieces together um, they've existed in a group for a little while and and uh, um, we we eventually decided for cohesiveness of, for sure. of our employees and and uh, our customers understanding what our group was and how we were tied together uh, we needed to come together under a single single name. So. Yeah, which is super smart. How did Floyd's get the the naming rights per se uh, instead of Eddie's or Jack's? Um, so Floyd's had the biggest footprint. Okay, um, they had uh, Jack, Eddie's has had two stores, uh, Rapid City and Fort Pier. Jack's had three stores, but they were a little bit smaller, and uh, so um, that was a that was a big part of it. Um, you know, I, I, it's easy to say that he was the the grandfather of, of me and my brother and the, a great-grandfather of me and my brother and the grandfather of my dad. Um, and maybe that played a role in it, but there was other business reasons to yeah. make, make that choice. Totally, totally. We, we also liked just that, you know, we had three of them that were named after a first name, and we mm -hmm. kind of wanted to keep that Yeah, um, instead feeling. of going completely off the wall, a different direction. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, hey, I'm not, I'm not arguing. I like it a lot. Yeah, all right. All right. Um, so if you're stuck in an elevator with somebody and they're like, what do you do at Floyd's? What is your elevator pitch? Like, you tell them, we do this. My basic elevator pitch is that we're a car dealership, but for semi-trucks. Okay. So we, we sell them new, we sell them used, we, we fix them, and we sell parts to people who want to fix their own. Okay, uh, totally. Is there anything else that if maybe they're like going up a couple more floors, so you got a little more time that you'd get into with them? Uh-huh. So um, we, we have a variety of different uh, products at our different stores. Um, here in Rapid City, we sell a, a van called a Sprinter van, and um, most people don't know this, but Freightliner is owned by a German company uh, called Daimler. Daimler. Daimler also owns Mercedes Benz. Okay. So Mercedes yes, Benz is a is a sister company of of Freightliner, and uh, the Sprinter van is a Mercedes product, uh, but they do put a, a Freightliner badge on it for us, and and. Uh, so we sell that here. We sell Kubota uh, tractors and lawnmowers and stuff like that in our Montana store. Um, you know, so we sell a host of different products that aren't uh, necessarily big trucks. Okay. You know? Yeah, it's not just the the semi truck for sure. Right. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, so you said that Floyd way back in the forties. Am I right? I'm nineteen forty eight. Nineteen forty eight. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, he got into with a Freightliner dealer. How did that? It, was it just like he liked Freightliner? Do you know the history behind it, why he went with Freightliner? Or was it just kind of they were the first to come to him? 
I don't know the uh, the real background on that. It's uh, Freightliner has changed, and, and really all the trucking manufacturers over the year have uh, years have changed. Uh, he actually started out as a white dealer, um, and white uh, has been associated with different brands throughout the year. They kind of uh, years they kind of got bought and sold. They were part of Volvo for a period of time, um, so Volvo was kind of part of the products, and then. They were part of Freightliner for a while, and um, so there's there was a whole bunch of stuff going on in the background, and and I'm not sure how he ended up with Freightliner. I'm I'm happy he did because um, Freightliner's got a really strong brand name. Um, they represent about forty percent of the trucks on the road. Really, forty percent? Mm-hmm. Man, um, that's a good chunk. It is a good chunk. Yeah, it's a good market share, and and that just helps. Uh, helps our business uh, stay stable, you know. I mean, you, you have all those trucks on the road. Absolutely. Um, so if someone comes in because you sell Freightliner, you obviously service Freightliner, uh, Western Star, and then Sprinter vans. Uh-huh. If someone comes in with a Volvo or whatever different truck, are you going to service that or are you going to send them somewhere else? Oh, we're happy. We're happy to work on okay, so all, all brands. For sure. You're not just specialists. Is it no. fairly like what am I trying to say here? Is it fairly like similar between brands or is it very different working on like for your mechanics? Uh, so the newer engines have a lot of computer aspects to them. So that can be complicated. And there are certain things we can't do on, um, for instance, a new Peterbilt engine, just because we don't have access to the computer side of it. Um, but other, other than that, there's a lot of similarities um, beyond the engine. And, uh, we're, we've got guys that have worked on Peterbilt's in the past and have come to us as employees. And so they know, know their way around it. And, and, uh, if you walk in our shop on any given day, you might see 20% of the trucks in there are Freightliner or Western Star or Sprinter. Um, the rest are going to be motorhomes or school buses or, um, just other other brands, Peterbilt, Volvo. Um, we we sometimes get some uh, uh, antique uh, vehicles in there. Um, there's a uh, bank in town that has an old fire engine that they like to have in parades and stuff like yep, that. We yeah, work totally. on, we work on that. You know, we just you'll see all kinds of things. It's it's I actually like that every morning. I walk through the shop and yeah. see what's in there. It could be you know, a hundred different things. And that's, that's kind of fun to see. Yeah. I'm sure your service guys like that too. Cause that's not that same repetitive, like working on a freight line or working on a freight liner. It's like, Oh, I'm working on an old fire truck today. Uh-huh. Kind of interesting. So with Floyd's, the first thing that comes to mind is probably that semi truck. When you, when you hear Floyd's truck center, people mm-hmm. are thinking semis, we kind of brushed on a little bit, but what other industries in the trucking world do you guys work on? So RVs uh, are a big part of our business in the summertime. Oh, I'm you know, sure. The, yeah. All the all the uh, people that come into the state and into the area um, with their RVs need somewhere to get them fixed, and so um, we we do that a lot during the summer. Um, we also uh, work with local school districts on their on their buses. Uh, most of those are diesel powered, and they're you know it's right in our wheelhouse. Freightliner actually has a sister brand called Thomas Built that makes school buses, and uh, City of Rapid City has bought some Thomas Built in the past. And so, um, yeah, we, we'll we'll work on about anything that that moves, you know. 
Oh, um, for sure. So this might be a, a tough one, but if I if I twisted your arm and made you split it up percentage wise, like how much time do you spend on freight liners and that kind of commercial trucking industry, and how much do you spend on these other aspects? Oh, I'd say I'd say we're probably seventy five to eighty percent on on commercial trucking. Okay, so uh, that is the the main thing. For oh sure. yeah, you do get mm-hmm. a little bit thrown in, but it's mostly that commercial trucking stuff. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So when someone comes in to buy a truck, who's your main consumer? Not like individual consumers, but is it these large trucking companies, or do you ever just get like some random Joe Blow that comes in and is just individually wants to buy a semi? It's it's really a mix. You, the uh, the trucking industry um, has a component of it called an owner operator, and those guys own their own trucks, and then they uh, work with other companies to uh, set up hauls. You know, I mean, and these these companies line up products for them to haul across the country or haul haul across the region, and and uh, these guys own their own trucks, and they're they're just individual guys, and and uh, kind of I mean they're entrepreneurs you know I mean they start start their own business they got to think about their expenses and their their time on the road and and what kind of profit they can make hauling uh, different products so um, we have a, a customer base that, that are owner operators um, we have uh, a little bit of a unique situation um, in our areas we don't have big really big trucking companies you might see these companies on the interstate like Swift Transportation and they're a huge company and have thousands of trucks. We don't have those kinds of um, companies out here. They're all smaller and uh, most of them have trucks because their business needs it, not because they want to haul um, retail you know, clothing across the country. They, they have trucks because um, they have gas stations and they need to provide fuel to those gas stations. Or um, we have a customer that um, applies mag water to roads and, and helps uh, keep roads, dirt roads, in, in good condition. And so he has trucks to, to haul that stuff um, around. And um, so those are the kinds of customers we have. They're um, what in the industry we call vocational customer, not a uh, not like a long haul trucking company. Yeah. So. Why is it that we don't have the huge giant trucking? Is it just because of population size? We just don't have the population, or is there another aspect to why that doesn't exist? Uh, it's probably a mix of population, and you got to have products there to be sort of a hub um, to send stuff. So the hubs are are on the ports, you know, where we're getting stuff from China or. Um, you know, Europe or whatever, and, the, and then there's a big hub there. There's lots of stuff to haul. Um, or like Salt Lake City is a big hub because of where it sits and the way that the traffic flows um, from those ports all kind of meet up in Salt Lake City, and then they have to get <laughs> all those okay. products have to get from Salt Lake City to um, Chicago and Dallas and, and wherever. So there's big trucking companies in Salt Lake City to haul all that stuff across the country basically Interesting. i had no idea salt lake city just yeah is a hub just because location wise that's mm-hmm. crazy yep all right i've always wondered this too is um do like freightliner do they come out with new models like every year just like a traditional car dealership would like they come out with a new chevy whatever is that with semi trucks too there's new models every single year yep new uh new model every year 
Uh, a lot like cars, the what you see on the outside might not change every year. Um, you know, I have a Toyota 4Runner and I bought it in 2014. Still looks the same on the outside if you were to go buy a new one now, but every year they're changing stuff inside. Uh, Freightliner does the same. Okay, for sure. Do people get like real pumped like the new model is coming out or is it not quite as big of a deal? Um, it depends if you're in the market, maybe. Yeah, it depends how how much you love trucks. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. And yeah. then the other one, maybe I'm totally off base because I'm not like as familiar with the trucking industry as you are, but I feel like trucks are always named like the Freightliner 490 SFP. It's like, why don't they just call it like the Timberline? Like, why don't they just give it like a catchy name? Some, some cool name. Exactly. Sounds tough. And, exactly. Uh, yeah. S- some of them do. The main Freightliner product is called the Cascadia. Okay, yeah. so yeah, that's got the catchy name. Yeah, so some some of them kind of have a catchy name. Other ones are 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 boring. Like you said, they're they're numbers, and um, I don't know why they why they do that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I was just always wondered that. It's like because all cars, you never see like a pickup driving down the street. It's always like the whatever. I guess Ford F one fifty. Yeah, F one fifty. Maybe yeah. I'm just way off base. But anyway, we're gonna take a little breather, and then we'll come back and uh, kind of switch gears into the future of what we're looking at with the trucking industry. Okay. Perfect. Hey guys and gals, it's Brett Matice, the host of the Midwest Marketing Podcast. I need you to do me a favor really, really quick. I promise you it won't take long. However you're listening to this here podcast, go on to iTunes, Stitcher, maybe you're just on our website, whatever it is, go give us a five-star rating. See those stars? There's going to be five of them. Just go to the one furthest on the right-hand side, click that one. Maybe write a few quick nice words about us. Unless you don't like us very much, then don't write anything at all. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Let's get back to listening. All right, before we start talking about self-driving semis and electric cars and all this good stuff, can you touch on just briefly, um, or as long as you want, I guess we don't even be that brief, um, about your elite certified support dealership? I think I mixed those words around. Can you touch on what that is and how you guys got to be one of those? Yeah, uh, elite support certified. Okay, yeah, mix the last two around. Um, Elite support is a program through Freightliner and Western Star uh, that has, I think there's 137 items. It's a, it's a checklist of items and, and some of them are basic cleanliness. Um, you know, having our, our shop clean and organized, our tools organized, um, that type of thing. And, and some of them are, are in-depth process, um, requirements. We have to have processes to, um, help customers uh, reach their goals, which, um, you know, they're, they're at our dealership cause they need, uh, something, you know, whether it's they they need help, uh, purchasing a truck, which can be a really complicated thing. There's, um, thousands and thousands of options for a truck, depending on what you're going to use it for. And so our job is to help, um, guide a customer into the best choice for, for a truck and they're all they're pretty much all custom ordered you know I mean it's a it's interesting that way um, or on the service side if we're fixing their truck they're using that for a job it's a tool for them and uh, they're not making uh, money if that tool is sitting in our shop so our goal is to get them in and out as fast as we can um, and and keep them informed along the way so uh, elite support was set up um, by Freightliner with the help of dealers to um, really increase our level of, of customer service to a new uh, a new standard, and um, it's it's been a really good thing. Where 
always on that continuous improvement. Um, you know, it's kind of a key word or a, a, a word a lot of people use, um, but we take it pretty seriously that we're trying to get better every day uh, and, and help our customers get in and out of our shop faster and, and build better trucks. So um, that's really what it, what it is. And so every year we go through this checklist with Freightliner of 137 items and make sure that we're, we're doing that. And then we look at our um, continuous improvement efforts throughout the year, um, what we've done to get better from, from last year, this year. For sure. So do you have to get 100%? Do you have to hit 137 of 137 to, to be well, certified? Yeah, we do. You got to be we 100%. Do. I yeah. did a little research. I was going to see if you're going to humble brag about your guys itself, but I'll do it for you <laughs> since you didn't. Um, I went on the Freightliner site and you're two of three, the Rapid City store in Fort Pier, you're two of three in all of South Dakota. So there's one in Sioux Falls, I believe, but right. otherwise you're making up 66.66% of, <laughs> of certified dealers, which is pretty cool. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, totally. All right, let's talk about self-driving semis. Is it plausible that this is like a future that this is going towards, or is it just kind of like a pipe dream? Uh, to be honest, I really don't know. So there are, um, there's five levels, I guess, of autonomous driving. And um, twenty in twenty the twenty twenty model year for Freightliner, which is coming out this late this summer, uh, we will ha- have a level two autonomous, and that means that they can uh, accelerate, brake, and they also have uh, like right to left steering capabilities. Okay, I'm gonna back you up. Can you explain what is level one first? Level one is just slightly below that. They don't have either the the acceleration in the brake or they don't have the steering capability. Okay. Uh, but you still have to have a driver behind the wheel in both level one and, and level two. Um, but like one of the cool things with this new one coming out is a, a truck driver can sit in a traffic jam without ever having to press the gas or the brake. The truck will just accelerate and brake for him um, so it's, I mean, cause being a traffic jam, it's exhausting, oh, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, and this kind of eliminates that fatigue for him. He can just sit there and kind of monitor the road, make sure nothing crazy is going on, but he doesn't have to be constantly, um, using the brake and gas or the, the clutch if he's got a auto- automatic trans or a manual transmission. So. Okay, so that was that was my next question. I may be way behind the times, and they may be all manuals, but I'm or maybe all automatics. But I'm guessing most are manuals. Um, so with that level one, level two, is it shifting and clutch, pressing the clutch form and everything? So it's moving a lot more towards automatic transmission, just okay. for that same reason, so they don't have to uh, uh, shift and use the clutch and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it also allows for some of these electronic things that are uh, easier to adapt with a with an automatic transmission. Um, they also like going to the right to left, side to side thing. You know, it's got like lane departure a lot like the new cars have, except um, these will go all the way back. You know, planning on the truck having a, a, a semi truck having a fifty three foot trailer behind it, um, and so they get they get 
warnings and and lights and stuff if if uh, they're swerving or um, they've got somebody in their blind spot um, you know it helps helps that so for safety and and all of that all right. of that stuff totally so you're going to be freightliner is going to be level two this year what three four five when do we become like don't even need a driver in the seat if he doesn't want to be so three four and five are supposed to be all no uh driver really in the seat um freightliner says that they will skip uh level three and go straight to level four which level three can ask for a driver it's it's weird it says no no driver in the seat but they can um at times when there's certain situations they would require a driver there but um level four is no no driver like he can just be in the loft taking a nap if you want it to be, I, I'd Probably. feel uncomfortable yeah, myself, but I would too. But yeah, that that's, that's a scenario, but, um, only in certain situations. So I think what will happen is they'll look towards highways, you know, interstates would be the prime spot. Um, they have all these interstates mapped out and then, uh, you know, the driver can get on the interstate and then the truck can go on its own from there. That, that would be my guess is how that'll work. Um, Freightliner has their own um, autonomous vehicle research center they set up um, last year, I believe, uh, in Portland, Oregon, and they have test tracks and you know all this stuff to to uh, get to that point where they can um, not have a driver in there most of the time or have a driver, like you said, sitting in the back maybe doing some other kind of work, you know. Um, rather than sitting behind the wheel uh pressing the gas and the brake are there's like people in the trucking industry are they excited about that or are they like not so excited because maybe like the truck drivers might lose some jobs because they might not even need to be there like what's the general feeling about self-driving trucks i think it goes both ways depending on if you're a driver or if you're an owner of trucks that's uh finding drivers is a a real challenge for uh, trucking companies uh, there's just not a lot of drivers out there and and uh, right now you have to be 21 to even get your uh, commercial driver's license and uh, by the time somebody's 21 they've come out of high school they've made some decisions with their life and their career and and unless something happens they're probably not coming back to be a, a truck driver you know um, and so there's just there's have been a shortage for years and years of drivers um, and and that hinders not only those particular businesses, but it hinders the economy a little bit. Um, some of the interesting tidbits or facts about trucks and, and South Dakota in particular are like, I think like 85% of communities in South Dakota rely solely on trucks to bring um, food and goods into their communities. So they don't have another um, way to get food in their grocery store or clothes at the local JC Penney's or, or whatever, uh, it has to come on a truck. And, and, uh, every time that costs a little bit more, those things go up in price. Milk goes up in price or, 
um, you know, shirts go up in price or whatever. So yeah, totally. I'm actually shocked it's not more than 85%. It seems like, I mean, where else are we getting our stuff from? I mean, it's, it's all trucking for the yeah. most part. I mean, it really is. Yeah, there's a lot of trucks on the road. There's no doubt. Totally. I know people, they get real mad when they got to pass them on the interstate. But when you hear that stat, it's like, eh, well, I guess I'll deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. So self-driving vehicles. How about electric semis, like electric cars? Is that... Any, I mean, are we going to not have diesel pumps anymore in 20 years? Uh, you know, we'll have to see what happens in 20 years. There's a couple big obstacles to the electric vehicles and electric trucks in particular. And, and one is just the power. Um, right now, how a, how a semi-truck works is got an engine in there. You put in fuel and the fuel combusts and makes energy. Uh, to propel it forward to haul whatever they're hauling. Um, in an electric vehicle, if they would have a giant battery in there um, that stores energy, but the energy would have to be created at a power plant somewhere, sent through a transmission line, and then um, charged into that battery. Um, to do that for massive numbers of vehicles will require a lot more power plants and they're not out there you know i mean the the um the energy that a big truck requires for a battery charge is a lot yeah it's not the little dinky toyota prius looking vehicle Uh, that runs on electricity it's yeah that's a lot more energy going into that that big semi truck yeah they're hauling 80 100,000 or more pounds depending on what they're doing you know and so um there would need to be a lot more energy in the world Right now, if, if electric trucks really took off and let's say 20% of trucks were replaced with electric trucks, there wouldn't be enough, enough energy from power plants to supply those, supply those trucks. Um, so that, that is the biggest obstacle in my mind to seeing lots and lots of um, electric trucks uh, real soon. Um, that, that could be solved over time maybe, but... Yeah. Um, Batteries, like um, just like fuel requires oil, um, batteries require mining uh, and different elements to create as well. So, um, as far as like the environmental impact of electric vehicles, uh, there's local benefits to not having um, the smog in the air. Uh, although uh, current diesels are very very clean. Um, some people make the joke that when they go into cities, they're actually making the air cleaner by running it through, (laughs) through the vehicles because I mean, it is very, very clean. Um, and and you still need some, you may not have oil exploration, but you need, um, cobalt and, and nickel and copper and all these other things to make, to make batteries, which, which when they are done, the batteries run out, they're waste, items and um, highly toxic waste items so um, I I don't know I'm a little bit mixed on the environmental stuff although there is local um, uh, benefits it's quieter and and uh, um, you know it doesn't have a smog in the air for for like a big city you know I mean if you're in New York City that they could use every reduction in smoke coming out of tailpipe you know as they could get so yeah for um, sure I know uh, my info might be outdated because we looked it up my freshman year in college, and uh, it was when Tesla had just come out with with something new, and uh, 
it ran 250 miles on a charge. And then we looked up where were the Tesla charging stations in South Dakota. And if you're driving on I-90, there's one in Rapid City, mm-hmm. and then there was one in Mitchell. Well, they're 290 miles away from each other, and you can only make it 250 miles. I was like, that's a large, that's a large issue that we'd be running into. Maybe there's more now, but I was like, that's another thing. It's like you gotta get these charging stations, and all our gas stations would have to be like compatible with semi-charging stations. Yeah, well, and you think you got all that infrastructure coming in, so you'd have to have all the pipelines, power pipelines, to um, do that at each gas station, and then. Uh, the time it takes to fuel at a gas station for a semi truck is like 20 minutes or something, you know, and they're filling hundred gallon tanks. That'll take them a long, long ways. Um, running at seven miles a gallon, seven to eight miles a gallon. Um, whereas if you're charging, if, if it's not that super fast charging that, that Tesla, uh, is always talking about, um, then, I mean, it's, it could take hours or or whatever you know so um, the more realistic spots for electric vehicles in the near future are like school buses where um, they run them around and then they just sit all night long and um, they can sit at the they come back to the same depot every day where they've got the charging station and um, you know they can charge there at the at the school bus depot and and then run again in the morning yeah um, those are those are those are going to be the sooner rather than later. Um, you know, before you see a long haul trucker driving a battery powered vehicle, you'll see school buses and, um, local, maybe trash trucks are a good one too for that. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense. There's a lot more than meets the eye with that whole situation. Definitely. Mm -hmm. So you almost beat me to the punch on my next question there, but I was going to say we fill with diesel and you said they get seven miles a gallon of hundred miles takes, are they making it 700 miles in, in one go? Yeah. Like, that's how far they, they will travel on a semi. That's a way further than my Dodge Dakota gets. That's <laughs> way further. I wish I got that good gas mileage. <laughs> but, uh, so then the one thing that you see, you see these flaps coming off the backs of semis. Is that, mm-hmm. that's to help with MPGs? Is that what's going on? It just, yep. That's all aer- aerodynamics, aerodynamics trying to help the wind wrap around the truck. Uh, without slowing it down. Okay, for sure. Yeah. All right. So flat nose semis, you see like the old school ones, like mm-hmm. the, I don't know what era, the seventies, eighties, maybe when they're flat nose like that. And then you see the flat nose school buses. I can't remember the last time I've seen a flat nose <laughs> semi. Maybe I'm just not looking close enough, but is that a, is that a thing that people are exploring at all? Those have pretty much gone away for over the road stuff. Um, they call that a, a cab over and basically the cab, um, sits on top of the engine there so instead of having the engine compartment out front um, where you would think underneath the hood the engine sits under a cab Um, they still use those in cities for like garbage trucks um, because they need to get in such tight spaces and those give really good visibility you can imagine sitting um, you know they're probably seven eight feet in the air when they're sitting in the seat in those big cab overs and so they have really good visibility and there's no uh, protrusion out from them and they so they can get in really tight spaces. Yeah. I was actually a garbage man for one summer oh, yeah. when I was in college. So yeah, I have very good familiarity with, with the cab over uh, garbage truck. There for you sure. go, yeah. But you won't see them on the highway because they're not aerodynamic and, and they don't get good fuel economy. Oh yeah, that's just like the biggest reason is just you want that cab over for visibility when stuff like 
school buses and garbage trucks. But yeah, aerodynamics right. just hurt too much right. for traveling long distance. Yep. Man, all right, we haven't touched on this hardly at all, um, but the Sprinter vans, the Sprinter uh-huh. van stuff. People are living in these Sprinter vans. Have you sold one to a guy that that's like been his plan is to live in the van? I don't think we've sold an, any to uh, somebody who's going to live in it, although we've had um, some customers that have bought them and converted them into vans that they do extended trips in. Um, we had uh, one one guy here in Rapa that bought it, and he likes to surf, and basically he turned it into a, uh, a vehicle that he could go down to Mexico for months at a time and, and stay on the beach and have his... Uh, surfboard in the back and um you know that kind of thing so yeah that's that's a that's a real thing people really do that we have people show up that need them fixed that that are doing that um had a guy that's got a uh uh um i think it's just a facebook um social group that um is all about van life and and uh, he he and his wife live live in the van, and you know they spent a couple of days at our dealership as we were waiting for some parts and getting their vehicle fixed. But oh, yeah, I know the the most famous rock climber in the world right now, Alex Honnold. I don't know if you've seen I his, his uh-huh. film, that Free Solo, uh-huh. which is a crazy good movie. If if any listeners haven't seen it, Free Solo, um, it's about the guy that climbs a uh, El Capitan in Yosemite. But yeah, he lives in his van. He's just <laughs> hanging out in his van all the time, which is I mean. I don't know if I'd be able to do it. It seems a little tight. I, I got a lot of stuff, <laughs> but yeah, that's very cool. I guess as we, we kind of wrap it up here, if there's anything that I haven't mentioned or you wanted to touch on before we, we sign off, now is the time to do it. Uh, you know, I, I really don't have a lot. I was excited that you invited me here uh, to talk a little bit about our business. It was nice doing that today. Um, you know, our, uh, as our group of nine stores changes all to Floyd stores, um, we're kind of working to get that word out a little bit and let our customers know that we're all all associated and here to help help them when they need it so uh this will be recorded and then posted later but at the date of recording this is like today is the last day of of eddie's correct or is this the day that like this is the the transition is right now yeah today is is the last day on on june 1st we'll be picking up the phone as uh floyd's truck center so So we got you right in the transition period (laughs) it's just awkward it's awkward (laughs) position for sure well i guess i got nothing more to say i just thanks for coming on we really appreciate it and i think people enjoy listening to it Ah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, totally. Thanks for tuning in, guys.